Welcome back to the South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans from the West Coast. I'm your host, Zach Moore. Today is Thursday, September 28th, 2023, and I'm very happy to be joined once again by fellow South Stands contributor Paige Van Horn from Denver. PBH, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. Good. Well, it's uh, good to be talking to you after a great weekend last weekend. Absolutely. Absolutely. Always good to hear your voice. And yeah, man, uh, I I feel like I just saw you yesterday um, as we were both in South Bend. Kind of did. Yeah, kind of did. (laughs) So the Buckeyes are now 4-0 and sitting at number four in this week's AP poll after a thrilling 17-14 last second win over Notre Dame in South Bend last Saturday. Of course, Paige and I were there. And the game, I thought at least, lived up to the hype. Uh, And that's where I want to spend most of our time today, PBH, um, as the the Buckeyes are off this week, right? Now, I did a 20-minute recap pod from Chicago on Sunday, but our listeners have yet to get your take on Ohio State's uh, performance in South Bend, PBH. I want to make sure you get plenty of time to talk about that. And then maybe if there's time toward the end, we can take a temperature check of the Buckeyes with now a third of the schedule in the books. That's crazy how how quickly the season has blown by. It it, it is. It goes fast. And what a nicely well-placed time for a buy totally maybe that's just me and you because we were there and you know it's planes trains and automobiles to get there and make it happen which is awesome weekend but um that it's a hell of a good time for a buy i don't know if they planned it that way but it certainly feels like i i think you're right actually well i remember when we looked at the season the schedule during the off season and we looked at the buy which is unusual it's been a long time i, I want to say it's like 10 years or something since they've had a september off week uh and it seemed a little early to me at first blush but now yeah it, it has been time to really right i mean you got what marvin harrison jr probably his yeah. ankle is probably the size of a balloon right and, <laughs> and that was a grueling physical game uh and then uh, finally pvh if we do have time it'd be fun to look at a few other games happening around the country uh but only if there's time so PBH, with a few days now to reflect on it, uh, I'm going to turn the floor over to you. What did you think of Ohio State's performance against the Irish? The floor is yours. Well, I mean, even before we get to that, I mean, what a fun day, fun you know, weekend in Chicago, hitting the town, you know, Friday night. Absolutely. Um, and then obviously, as you said, like huge shout out. This probably only means a few things to a few people, but to Paul, if you're listening, buddy, like your hospitality, we were so set up in South Bend, um, was huge. Absolutely. And, Thank uh, you, Paul. Yeah. Um, so great. Paul Notre Dame. Um, so, uh, thank you a, a thousand times and uh, you can wear that South Stands hat with pride or you can burn it and you know, <laughs> the choice is yours. Um, but uh, again, that, it, it, just a really fun weekend, great atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, and also to our buddy Jared for, for doing that as well. Um, so it was just a fantastic weekend. Um, the game, I you know, it's like funny, still sort of processing the whole thing. Um, because, you know, being there live, right. Like you just felt it slipping away, mm-hmm. um, probably even more than, you know, we would have felt as Buckeye fans, uh, watching that game on TV, but that place was feeling itself and rightfully so. Right. I mean, um, I said it a few times when we were at the, or, you know, uh, driving home on s- Sunday, but, you know, Trey scored on that first, uh, series one play to start the second half and yeah, we had a couple, you know, drives, but for the most part, Notre Dame dominated that second half, hmm. had the ball most of that second half and mm-hmm. just kind of felt like, yeah, this isn't our day. And so, um, to see them come back and pull it out like that was, I mean, it was just more shocking than anything. Right. And oh yeah, um, I've told a few people like, you know, you and I were there and, I don't think either one of us really cheered, you know, we just kind of sat there, you know, like, you know, or not even sat, we were standing there just, you know, like bated breath, like, holy shit. And um, as they started to convert on that last drive, it was, you could kind of feel the air coming out of it, you know, slowly but surely. And this, you know, like uh, this, if you're a Notre Dame fan, like this really 
couldn't happen, right? Like this isn't happening. Yeah. Um, and it unfolded, you know, right in front of our eyes. Um, so great atmosphere, so much fun. I, well, I can't even really say it was so much fun. It was kind of, um, it was kind of grueling to sit through. And I think <laughs> yeah. it goes back to like, I was completely hundred percent wrong of how this, I thought this game would go. Um, I thought we were just the better team. Um, it's on record and on tape. Um, so, you know, hats off to Notre Dame. I think they did exactly what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, we were just a little bit better uh, with, you know, we got some guys, you know, that are, you know, maybe, I, I mean, I hate to use the moniker of five-star, but at the end of the day, our five-star guys made plays. That's right. JTT made plays on defense that give us a chance to win. Um, Mecca Buka, yeah. Gigantic. Trey, yeah. gigantic, right? Huge. We don't win that game if he doesn't bust that, you know, touchdown run to start the second half. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marvin's a five-star, even though he wasn't a five-star, diving catch. And the other huge thing, how big was it that he actually came back and was in, you know, on the field? Huge. For those last drives, because, and, and Day kind of alluded to it, but I didn't think of it at the time, but, you know, Abuka's then now getting double teamed, right? Which is kind of what happened to us against Georgia. Mm-hmm. And just having him be on the field, you have to account for the guy. And above that, he still made a gigantic diving catch on the last drive. Oh, gorgeous. Freaking insane. And then, the last piece I said I'll, I'll say about the game was that, uh, and I'd mentioned it on the pod, and then you and I talked a lot about it on Friday night. And it wasn't that I doubted McCord, but my 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 thought process was like, you're not normal. You're not a you're not human if you're not a little bit nervous, you know, in this game. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think that's you know some you know ridiculous hot take. And and you know m- maybe he was, but unequivocally the moment was not too big for that kid when it all mattered the most and that drive was just absolutely astonishing and um you know hats off to him uh it makes me super super bullish for the future and for him as our quarterback Mm -hmm. um i don't think they'll ever i mean it'll be you'll be hard pressed to ever put him in a more pressure pressure packed situation than what he was in in a hostile environment, and that place was rocking, dude. Yeah, right. Like mm-hmm. we were there, and uh, he delivered. And you know, I, so there, there is there are some things to nitpick, right? There's some things to be worried about. Um, but you know, you as a Buckeye fan, you could look at this one or two ways. It's either half glass full, half glass empty. I would much rather be on the half glass bowl and they're still young and they're going to figure some things out. Mm-hmm. And I think Notre Dame, you know, is better than definitely <clears throat> than what I thought going into it. And so, um, you know, awesome, awesome day, awesome victory. Awesome to be there. Awesome to hang out with you for the weekend. And, uh, yeah, it was a good time. Absolutely. So just back to that last drive, Kyle McCord making his fifth career start for the Buckeyes faced, you know, with uh, getting the ball with what, 125 to play down four. He completes, uh, he converts a third and 10 from the high State 35 with a 23 yard pass play to Mecca Buka. He converts a fourth and seven with a seven yard pass play to Julian Fleming. Second and 10, a 19 yard pass play to Marvin Harrison Jr. down to the Notre Dame 13. And then third and 19, this was the play of the game. Third and 19, this was after the intentional grounding on McCord. He completes 21 yards down to the Notre Dame one yard line. Um, to to put Ohio State in position to win the game. Uh, Just one clutch throw after another. Big time throws. I'm with you. I feel like, you know, McCord, uh, he's only going to get better. His, His best football is still ahead of him. And, uh, you know, if there were any doubts about who Ohio State starter should be, who should be leading that offense, I mean, I think McCord slammed the door shut. And actually, I think McCord actually played 
uh, you know, Ohio State's struggles on offense could not be attributed to McCord. Um, I thought he played well enough for them to win. It was the weirdness, the wonkiness down in in the red zone in those short yarded situations um, that, um, you know, that I think kind of really threw Ohio State off. And I think if they convert there, they probably win this game comfortably. I mean, I think they should have been up 14 nothing at the half. Um, and yeah, there was missed opportunities for sure. For sure. I mean, and you know, our uh, indecisiveness and short, uh, short, you know, yardage situations is probably a whole nother podcast. Um, but you know, you, you know, sometimes I don't know, uh, but you're right. I mean, th- that game could have not been as close. But on the other hand, Notre Dame, you know, did some things that they, they, they were much they were much more, you know, they're a better team than I thought they were. That's not saying much because I hadn't seen them play all year. But um, yeah, it's uh, it was it was just such a bizarre game to sort of sit through live in that atmosphere because I, I was so bullish going into it. And, you know, really. I mean, you could make the. I mean, we didn't do what was three nothing at halftime. Three. <laughs> or, yep. <laughs> what what of ninety five percent of that game? I kind of felt like maybe we weren't the better team, and then we pulled it out. And that's why I go back to you know what at the very very end when it mattered most, our clutch clutch guys that are going to be first round draft picks were just enough to make the plays to allow us to win that game. Yeah, you know it was interesting. I want to I want to go back to the offense in a second, but it just occurred to me. You mentioned the Georgia game, and I thought it was a really positive, positive sign that Ohio State's first opportunity in a tight game, a high stakes game, uh, after the Georgia game where the defense couldn't get off the field when it mattered and the offense couldn't cash in, you know, on a last minute drive. We saw the defense and the offense do that in this game. Right. You you saw yeah. the defense step up and get a key stop, you know, thanks largely to JT Tuimolo wow on Notre Dame's first or their last, you know, full possession of the game. And then you saw, you know, Kyle McCord lead the offense uh for the game winning touchdown in, in a way that of course, you know, CJ Stroud wasn't able to do against Georgia in the yeah. Peach Bowl under you know, under different circumstances. No Marvin Harrison Jr. and you know, they were down some personnel uh, to, to be sure. But I love that Ohio State their very first opportunity to execute when it really, really mattered on both sides of the ball, they delivered. Yeah, and, th- and that's another good good point that you just said, right? Is that, you know, if Marvin was on the field against Georgia, yeah, we, you know, we, we might have won that game. And the fact that he came back, right? We were on, huge. we were watching it on the field. He was flopping around like a fish out of water. And I'm like, oh my God, right? And then he went in the tent. The fact that he came back in, and, and, and made a play, but the fact that he was on the field, right? It matters, right? Because they're double teaming that guy. Yep. I mean, Notre Dame was unequivocally, we're not gonna get beat deep by you guys. And the 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 safety was 15 yards off, but make no mistake, that was double coverage on Marvin all night long. Yeah, right? Ohio State killed like, him underneath. Who could have make a play? It frees up Fleming to make a play. Yeah, Stover to make a play. How about Xavier Johnson on the on the big 40 yarder? Of course, they didn't score on that drive, yeah. but yeah, Ohio State it was like kind of death by a thousand paper cuts. Um, you know, with all the completions that McCord was making kind of, you know, underneath and, and medium range, you know, the, on offense, watching the replay, uh, because I actually sat down and watched a replay of the game last night. First of all, I thought the Buckeyes on, on rewatch actually played better than I remembered um, watching live. Pardon me. Um, but offensively, the Buckeyes only had eight possessions in that game. Did you realize that? Eight possessions. I, I think I read that. <laughs> that's so, and that's insane. And remember, they punted on their first two possessions, but after that, they pretty much lived on Notre Dame's side of the field. They had four drives that ended inside the Irish 13-yard line. Now, unfortunately, right, they had two in the red zone that ended on downs, right, because they couldn't convert in short yardage. They had a fifth drive that was Trey Henderson's 61-yard touchdown run. That was only a one-play drive. And then they had a sixth that got down to the Notre Dame 28-yard line after Kyle McCord hit uh, Igbuka for an 11-yard pass play on third and nine. But that was the play that was waved off, uh, as it turned out, on a total bullshit personal foul on Josh Fryer. I don't know if you saw the replay of that, but he basically, he knocked his man to the ground and then finished the play by, you know, landing on him and driving him into the ground. And they they threw a flag on it. And I was like, come on, that's football. Um, 
So, you know, and I think McCord did what he needed to do to get Ohio State in position to score as often as, you know, as often as they did. Uh, And it was just kind of weird, wonky play calling and just that weirdness in in short yardage, the frustration in short yardage that kind of got in the way. But that was the point I wanted to make about McCord. Uh, He finished, uh, you know, as the game's leading passer. Ohio State also had the leading rusher in the game, Henderson. They had the leading receiver in Ekbuka. I mean, if we play this game 100 times, I think the Buckeyes probably win this by double digits, like 90 out of 100. Uh, no way. I uh, I don't think that. You don't think so? No. No, because I, I think they do enough things well. Um, I mean, I think I would, I would actually only give you maybe I'd go – 65 70 tops they had four trips inside the notre dame 13 yard line and they and they only came over with 10 points what are the odds that they would do that again i mean i maybe they don't, maybe they don't make four trips. <laughs> yeah i mean i could I be wrong a question for you what well okay keep yeah keep your train of thought because i was something popped in no go ahead go ahead with the question no, i was sort of transitioning over to the defense and to your point of we win 90 but no because we're gonna we're gonna talk about this. okay. I don't know. I you know, it, here's the thing, right? Like I was thinking about this. Again, is it half glass full or half glass empty? You know, we we've we've got four games under our belt. We've actually only looked good once, and is that just a product that Notre Dame's better than we thought, or is it you know? Maybe this team isn't all we thought they were going to be. I'm in the glass half full, um, especially on the rewatch. I'm in the glass half full um, crowd. Um, I mean, that was was a top 10 team on the road. And you win that game however you win it. And, you know, you throw style points out the window, in my opinion. And, um, you know, you think about it. Who else has a win? as as good as that we know texas went on the road and beat alabama yeah that's it and maybe florida state beating lsu uh, technically on a neutral field but that game was played i think in jacksonville it was a veritable home game um i I actually thought um fsu going on the road and beating clemson last week was also a nice quality win but aside from those those three games i think ohio state probably owns um you know the best win in the country i mean certainly uh, we know michigan and penn state don't have anything like that Right. So far. Um, yes. yeah. yeah. So so I mean, you know, I, I one thing I loved about this performance, Ohio State was just absolutely clutch on third down. Now, you could argue uh, <laughs> if they were better on first and second down, they wouldn't have faced so many third down, you know, situations. But they were 10 of 17 on third down. I thought it was, you know, unbelievably clutch uh, on the rewatch. I actually thought uh, Trey Henderson was better down to down carry to carry than what I remembered watching it live. Um, and, and I, you know, I also thought one, one guy we didn't really talk about, and I didn't mention him in the in the preview or in the postgame pod, is uh, Kate Stover. Yeah. Was good for them, um, and and he's actually become quite a, a, a pass catching threat among tight ends. I mean, I don't think there are a lot of tight ends that are as impactful catching the ball as Stover. So I, you know, I guess kind of if we're if we're looking, you know, through four games and we can kind of do this a little more in depth a little later in the pod, but through four games, we've got our signal caller, right? You know, Kyle McCord is the unquestioned leader of that offense. We, I think we feel pretty comfortable about the skill positions and, you know, then the the only questions I think remain on the offensive line. And, you know, you and I have talked about that. They They really struggled in run blocking, but I thought they did a good job pass protecting McCord for the most part. So, um, I'm feeling pretty bullish about the offense moving forward. I feel I feel like they're going to figure things out on the offensive line. And I like to quote that I saw. This is a tweet actually from Kirk Herbstreet. He actually had, I think, Ohio State as their number one performer in his top five, right? He does a top five, you know, performances from Saturday. He had Ohio State number one. And he also had top coaching performances. He had uh, Day and Knowles as his top coaching performances. And what he said of the Buckeyes is he thinks their best football is ahead of them. And that's Kirk Herbstreet. And I know he's a former Buckeye, but he's pretty, you know, pretty good at being neutral. Anyway, those are my thoughts on the offense. Uh, kind of, and, and again, I'm in the glasses half full camp. Where do you stand, PVH, looking at the offense? Yeah, I am too. I mean, I, I, I just, you know, 
it, it kind of remains to be seen, right? If Notre Dame turns out to be really good, then that might be one of the best, you know, road wins that any college team has right. you know, the rest of the year. Um, they have a bitch of a game this weekend, though, don't they, <laughs> to go yeah, to Duke? <laughs> yeah, they do. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm I'm of the inclination and, you know, I what you said on Sunday, like, yeah, I think these are both really good teams. There's high state is not without flaws. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I mean, the, the, they 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 pulled one out on you know, Saturday night. And I think that will only pay dividends. I agree. Not only from Accord, but, and it's funny, like listening to some of those guys, like, yeah, we never had a doubt and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, that might just be hyperbole. (laughs) I had a lot of doubts. I had many doubts. I I mean, I think every fan, you'd you'd have been crazy if you hadn't. And that's just not just Ohio State fans being, you know, unrealistic. And and by the way, I, I would like to say, you know, um, being there live, walking out of that stadium, I didn't see one person like break a bottle, scream fuck, yeah, you know, lose their minds, right? Like, oh god, if, I mean, if that were Ohio Stadium, oh man, know, the calamity. So kudos to them, right? You know, like, man, they 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 were so close, and it was, you know. You know, we're wearing Buckeye gear and stuff like that. Not one person said jack shit to us. It was, and you had mentioned it, you know, the woman was actually consoling. <laughs> I mean, it was, I don't know if you remember, she put her hands on my shoulder and uh, you might have. I don't remember that. So, yeah, you might have just yeah. been looking out toward the field. And, and yeah, I mean, look, I, Notre Dame gets a bad rap, I think. I don't know, maybe maybe institutionally that the, you know, the reputation is deserved, but the fans were I, I mean the the fan experience as an opposing fan in a game of those stakes i mean couldn't have been more pleasant other than you know what was happening on the field i mean i'm sure i looked like i was passing a kidney stone there for in the last 45 minutes of the game but um yeah i'm with you when we walked out and actually it was at least where we were it was nice to see ohio state fans not being dicks i mean there were a couple of ohio chants on the way out but other than that i mean you know yeah big deal yeah, it, was, it was just a good atmosphere like a great good college, atmosphere great you know, stadium beautiful beautiful it's just a fucking game people you know it drives me crazy like you see all these videos and maybe it's just a matter of social media and twitter and like people getting advice but although somebody died at an nfl stadium like yeah those are nfl games that's a different just imagine the absurdity of that it's absurd die for a fucking nfl team because you got beat up and you know not was his fault i'm not saying that but god like people just get a grip you know it's it's a game and we're here to have fun and um enjoy it and you know everybody i think on both sides were you know super cool and just had a, a you know a great evening yeah no it, it was it was an amazing fan experience uh definitely uh you know if you have the opportunity to see your favorite team uh, whether it's the irish or somebody else play in that stadium i i highly recommend it though it does require a little bit of planning um but it is totally worth it um all right pvh why, why don't we why don't we talk a little bit about the ohio state defense because i i was i think you might agree with me that that unit was 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 pretty impressive i think overall um what were your thoughts on the performance of the defense in that game well it's funny though i mean they were but i think the reason why we thought we were going to lose that game is because they got pushed around yeah. for those two Notre Dame drives. So again, so it depends what you know side of the coin you want to look at. If you look at the the bottom line, right? We only gave up 14 points. Um, they really couldn't do anything dramatic, you know, deep. Um, and I think Knowles, you know, was purposely doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the reason, you know, if we're being honest and we're sitting there um that we didn't think we could win that game is because we didn't think we could get off the field yeah because of those two drives and you know they were getting three or four yards on first down and then it just makes it manageable right to to pick up a first down yeah um so i'm inclined to give them the benefit of the doubt on that and um you know the fact that you know JTT and Sawyer played every game. They pl- no, they played every defensive snap, all sixty-five snaps. And 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 I, you know, I t- tweeted this to you. And Tyleek Williams, their best interior defensive lineman, played fifty-six. No wonder they yeah. wore out in the second half. So and- maybe, yeah. So, 
but but it wasn't the end of the game, right? I mean, it was it right. was this the what third drive of the second half and. Yeah, but but I mean, I think those guys played about as many snaps through the first, you know, two plus quarters than when. Yeah, well, no, I agree. Like you know, you've you've got Jackson, you've got Caden Curry. They're very capable backups at the defensive. I don't understand why they didn't. Guys, you play. You got to play a little bit of depth. I understand you got to give the in a game like this. You got to give the lion's share of your snaps to your lead guys on the defensive line. But you do have to be careful. You got to save these guys for November too. Um, so I was a little concerned about that. But to me, when I saw the snap counts for the defensive line, that explained at least a little bit why they weren't as effective. Because I thought they were lights out defensively against Notre Dame in the first half, especially against the run. And then I do think they started to wear down a little bit. Uh, at least that's what I'm hoping is the case. Yeah, because you're probably of the, right. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it was hard to watch though. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, and, and again, like with the new rules, you, you're just sitting there, you know, yeah, uh, you're just frustrated watching the game clock disintegrate. The game, the game clock. Was, oh, and, and and the the other thing, and I, I want to go back to this because I said it a few times when we were sitting there, like going back to the offense. They've got to be better of getting the ball to their best players, yeah. Regardless of what the situation is, because I don't think Marvin had a catch until mid second quarter. Yep, I think that's right. Like, oh, by the way. Oh, you know, let, let's get the best player on either team involved <laughs> right. in the game. Yeah. You know, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's jet sweep. I don't care if you line him up as fucking tailback. Yeah. Get that guy the ball. Yeah. And I think, you know, so day and play calling and things like that. But I'm like, your best players need, it's, it's like literally, you know, playground, you know, football. Throw the ball, get the ball to your best players. And mm-hmm. when Marvin doesn't have a catch until the middle of the second quarter, you know, in, in a game like this, that that's an issue. Or how about taking Harrison Jr. and Ibuka off the field on fourth and one on the goal line and call a pass play? <laughs> if you know you're going to throw it, you take both those guys off the field. I think yeah, they just start that, smiling themselves a little bit there. Totally. You're completely outsmarting <laughs> your own brain at that moment, Brian. Like, coal off the fire because it's way too hot in your head. Well, hopefully that's a lesson learned. You know, they they live to tell about it. Don't get too cute when it comes to, you know, to, to getting the ball to your playmakers. Sorry, back to the defense. Um, it was frustrating watching those two long drives that Notre Dame put together. Back-to-back drives. They ended up taking the lead 14 to 10. You remember, Paige, I was in your ear the whole time going, whole time. is there a play? Just can someone make a play? No, actually, what you were saying was somebody make a play. Somebody make a play. Somebody make. Somebody make a play. You you said it like (laughs) twelve. You weren't saying it to me. You were just saying it under your breath. (laughs) (laughs) Those two drives, by the way, and I think I might have texted this to you, ate up eight four over fourteen minutes off the game clock. Those two drives by Notre Dame, yeah, 14 minutes off the game clock. Um, do you think Jim Knowles, now, I, now look, you know, I've been bitching, you know, I spent a whole off season, 10 months bitching about Jim Knowles taking too many risks, chasing, you know, splash plays, you know, tackles for loss, interceptions and, you know, turnovers, that sort of thing, sacks. He's not done that. We've not seen those explosive plays that they gave up in droves last year, but does he need to maybe take some more risks i mean should should he have taken a few more risks in this game what what do you think yeah so that's the argument right like he's overcorrected um yeah because you know he's 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 just going to play a more conservative approach i mean if you go by the the result then no yeah i mean they got it done yeah that's a good point. I mean, the Irish were averaging 46 points and 509 yards of offense going into the game. The Buckeyes hold them to 14 points and only 366 yards. You go on the road against a top 10 opponent, hold them 143 yards and 32 points under their season averages. I mean, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny, you know, like Hartman and, you know, he had a lot of time, but he had nothing open down the field. Yeah. And so, if that's a situation, then eventually somebody's going to come open underneath, right? Which, you know, he converted a lot of those and that's frustrating, right? Because those keep drives alive and stuff like that. But if you're hell bent on not getting burnt deep, um, and that's, you know, probably what the game plan was. Mm-hmm. And you got Burke out there. No one's throwing against Burke. Igmanosin, you know, 
he might, you know, he, he got burnt on that. He gets a little handsy. Yeah. Yeah. And he can be handsy, but come on. He, you know, like if you're putting guys out on islands one-on-one, -on -one, that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And so I think. They didn't even try to throw at Burke. I think they threw at him once and it was like a, a five-yard reception. Burke was, you know, teams are not even going to try to throw at him now. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then Styles and, and Ransom. They're great. Uh, so it's 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 hard to argue uh, with the result. Is it, you know, I mean, it, it lends itself to maybe a, a team, you know, converting some, a good team, converting some third downs and, you know, holding the ball, uh, which can be frustrating. But is it is is that worse than you know seeing Edwards busted around the side and go for seventy six yards in you know the fourth quarter? No, <laughs> like it, the Michigan yeah. game. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, no, I do know. I mean, you roll with it because it, it's working right now until you, it doesn't work anymore. Yeah, I'd say if given the choice, uh, I'd much rather uh, you know force the opponents to drive the length of the field and execute in the red zone, and then we'll see. Mm -hmm. um, you can't give them the cheapies that they did against Michigan. Uh, they even gave up some cheapies against Maryland uh, and, and Penn State. And then, of course, we know what happened against Georgia in the Peach Bowl. Uh, you know, with the with the benefit of, you know, again, time to reflect and the opportunity to, to, to rewatch the game, to rewatch the, tele the telecast. Um, I got to say that the, the performance of the defense is aging pretty nicely for me. Um, you know, watching the replay, I thought Ohio State played better defensively than I remembered watching it live. I thought they did a better job of getting pressure on Sam Hartman than I remembered. I, I mean, Tyleek Williams and JT Tuimoloa were actually more packful down to down, you know, throughout the game than I remembered. Um, you know, watching it live, I didn't think Tui Molowau showed up until that last drive when he had those two back-to-back -back plays. But watching it on, you know, watching the replay, he was actually more impactful th than that. Uh, and then the re the rewatch also uh, confirmed a couple of things for me as well, namely the stellar play of the Ohio State secondary. I, I thought our corners and safeties were awesome. The safeties in particular, Ransom, Styles, and Proctor were great. And Ransom was actually named Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week. With it for his 13 tackle performance against the Irish, I mean, I, I said on Twitter he was a heat-seeking missile on Saturday night. Go back and watch. I'll send you a link to a, an abbreviated version of the game. It's 50. It's 50 minutes, and it's just the plays, and everything else is cut out. Ransom was laying some lumber coming up and run support. I thought he was great. Um, so you know. I, yeah, I actually, on the rewatch, thought Ohio State played better than what I remembered. And it was against a pretty good offense. You know, they've got some dudes. Now, the one area that where, where Notre Dame is not very dynamic is on the outside of receiver. But you know what? Neither is Penn State and neither is Michigan. I mean, they may, they may be marginally better than Notre Dame on the outside. But I feel like when we talk about formulas, right, we talk about the formula to beat Ohio State, which is what Notre Dame tried to do. They tried to replicate the Michigan formula to beat us. But I think there's a formula now that perhaps we could leverage to beat the likes of a Penn State or especially a Michigan coming out of this game. What do you think? No, a hundred percent. And we talked about that driving home. Like I, this is the formula to beat Ohio State. Guess what though? That formula only works if the game is closed. That formula only works, right? If, you know, we, we you know, don't convert on fourth down, mm -hmm. you know, in the first half. And if you're down, and it's the same thing, you know, against Michigan last year, right? Where missed opportunities on offense lends itself to, you know, this formula sort of manifesting itself of the way to beat Ohio State. Mm -hmm. But if our offense is clicking and we're converting on third, third and fourth down and we're putting up points, then you can't play that way, mm -hmm. right? And so then Ohio State is dictating the formula. And, you know, it's it's not going to be always like that, but I think that's what happened in the Michigan game. I think that's what happened in the Notre Dame game. Um, but, you know, you look back on the Georgia game, right? Like when we start putting up points, well, that formula goes right out the freaking window. right? Yeah. And so um, the good news is, you know, I think our defense, I agree with you. Like I'm totally on board, half glass full on the defense. Um those guys are leaps and bounds better than where they were last year. I think the coaching has taken the next step. It's just a matter of Ohio State dictating what they want to do yeah. in the game versus, hey, we're being forced to play in this certain manner. And 
there's no doubt these guys are like, we want to run the ball, we want to slow the clock. The, the time of possession is now a whole new thing. Well, Ohio State just needs to kind of flip the script on it, and then I think we'll be great. Yeah, you know, they, they did actually take a fair amount of shots. Ohio State did. Um, but I do agree with you. They got drawn into a fist fight in a phone booth with Notre Dame. I mean, the game was played at Notre Dame's pace. It was exactly how Notre Dame wanted to play. And, and to their credit, you know, they, they dictated it. But Ohio State did actually try to take shots. I mean, I remember several long shots to Marvin Harrison Jr. There was one to Ibuka. There was one to Fleming. They even threw one to, um, to Trevion Henderson. They were actually able to draw a couple of pass interference penalties. I think Harrison Jr. drew two. I know um, Trey Trey drew one as well. Um, so they definitely they definitely tried. Um, I, I feel like for the off with the offense, I feel like their best football is ahead of them. And as McCord gains more and more experience and more and more comfort running the offense, I feel like that's going to lock more of the offense. I, I I do I know that we have some troubles on the offensive line. There, the offensive line has some work to do, but they are good at pass protecting. So um, I just, I just want, <laughs> and this goes back to the whole, you know, uh, Ryan Day, Lou Holtz thing. Just Ryan Day, don't get caught up trying to win a toughness contest with either Penn State or Michigan, right? Focus on winning the football game. And that is with your passing game, right? You've got to run enough to keep them honest and you've got a playmaker and Trey, you know, who you've got to use, but don't get too caught up in, in proving to the world that your team is tough. Um, yeah. But, but, but I also, and when I'm saying like play the game, we want to play, mm -hmm. I feel like what we do is we, we want to establish the run. And when that doesn't work, then we take shots down the field and why you're not running five yard crossing routes every yeah. other play until they stop it mm -hmm. you know like like with our receivers you got Cade Stover you got Julian Fleming you know like it's almost like we're we've and again I don't want to you know bad mouth day in the play calling because guys forgotten more about offensive play calling than <laughs> I would ever know in 10 lifetimes however it does kind of feel like I don't know if we're predictable we we put ourselves in in kind of hard to manage situations where a lot of other teams don't do that right like yeah and and so taking shots down the field long isn't necessarily you know the best formula for us i think we have if you if you can guard our guys on 10 yard routes which are much easier throws for the court then then i tip my cap to you because i don't you know fine but it kind of doesn't feel like that's what we're doing well, you know, the counter to that, though, is, you know, your slot receiver, Mecca Buka, finishes with 96 yards receiving on seven receptions. Six of those receptions went for first downs. Uh, you also hit your tight end seven times for 52 yards. You hit Xavier Johnson on an underneath route that went for 40. Um, I, I feel like where Ohio State gets inefficient and predictable is on second down. They almost, you know, they, they try to throw on first down. And when they don't. Um, and they run up the they, middle. They run up the middle. No, seriously, I think it was Bill Landis who pointed this out. Overwhelmingly, Ohio State runs on second down. It's such a predictable yeah. tendency. And opposing defenses are ready for it. They know it. So I think it's also about mis mixing up tendencies. I actually thought Ohio State was good in the short to intermediate passing game. I, mean, I thought that's how they had success in this game was well, short to intermediate too, throws. Just trying to get out of the predictability point. I don't yeah. Know. You know, maybe they're just defenses – better than we you know give them credit for yeah uh it's hard it's in a vacuum you're just kind of like reacting to what you're seeing but, yep mm. i i feel like you you have four trips down inside the notre dame 13 yard line in this game um g give me that again I'll, I'll take that all day all day against any opponent you're going to tell me ohio state's going to have four trips inside the opponent's 13 yard line um, give me that all day i feel like day's going to figure it out remember igbuka dropped a touchdown pass on one of those red zone trips and they had to settle for a field goal then we we know what happened on those two other trips right you, you had the mm -hmm. jet sweep on the one in the fourth quarter and that that's actually when you and i looked at each other and were like we're driving back to Chicago tonight. Fuck this. <laughs> like, how's my buzz? You think I'm buzzed in Chicago tonight? <laughs> and then on the other fourth down stop in the, in the, what was it? First or it was the second quarter. Um, you know, you decide you want to throw the ball on fourth and short and you take Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Buka off the field. So I feel like that's correctable stuff. I mean, if they self scout and they look at their tendencies, I think that's correctable stuff. I do feel like they, 
they did enough to put themselves in the position to generate points and offense and they just you know they, they stalled in the red zone so i don't know i'm confident they'll figure it out again i'm the i'm in the glass half full camp right now that could change in a couple of weeks but for now i'm i'm in uh, in the glasses half full camp hey man we won we won the game if you're you take not it. in the glass half full yeah what, what are you doing what are you doing i mean this is supposed to be fun enjoy you got to enjoy the victories along the way right if you're just going to sit there with your arms folded well, i'm waiting until michigan until they beat them so all right so we got to spend a, a, a minute or two on this not we don't have to spend too much time on this any thoughts on the lou holtz business yeah i mean it clearly was personal he touched a nerve he's tired of hearing it mm -hmm. um, and he probably has every right you know i mean the whole physicality and toughness thing to me comes down to you know maybe your offensive line is better than ours or your defensive line is better than ours but to say that any of these guys at, at this level i know it's tough, ridiculous it's just it's ridiculous right um and i go back to you know when we were getting our ass kicked by the sec that we were we were too physical we were too slow right you know and and so maybe you maybe we've over i wouldn't even that's stupid the the whole thing is stupid um i don't give a flying fuck about lou holtz i don't care <laughs> you know if ryan day felt the need to do that fine if people don't like that fine fuck off who cares right it's what he felt um but the hub of lou about the whole thing again it's just it, it's 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 a story about nothing no well, one's going to remember this in a week or yeah. even tomorrow um good for ryan day um, and if he needed to get that off his chest, then get it off your chest. And if it resonates with your team, all the better. Maybe he took it. So I've been thinking a lot about this. First of all, this is a Michigan conversation. And, you know, I think Ryan Day said on Saturday night, like, you know, this question of whether we're tough or not ends tough or not ends tonight. And I'm like, Ryan, sorry, I hate to break it to you, man. It'll end when you beat Michigan. Um, when you beat Michigan, then that's when people are going to stop questioning your your toughness. Unfortunately, look, that's just the reality. That's just, that's just the reality of the situation. Um, but I do understand his reaction to a certain degree. And maybe, you know, maybe he took advantage of the opportunity to set the tone for the season. Because, I mean, look, Holtz has no leg to stand on, right? I mean, Ohio State has beaten Notre Dame six times in a row. And look, last year was a very physical game. And Ohio State won the, the toughness contest last year in Columbus. So, um, you know... If he wants to take advantage of the opportunity to set the tone for his team, I think largely a Buckeye Nation seemed to love it. Um, I thought it was manufactured board, bo bulletin board material, um, but kind of reflecting on it, if he wants to harness it and take advantage of it and try and set the tone for the season with that opportunity, okay, fine. But yeah, I agree with you. It's it's otherwise, you know, kind of much ado about nothing in terms of, you know, the fans. Yeah, and you know, it's like when you think about it, it's like, well, he's lost to, you know, Alabama and Georgia and Clemson. And it's like, yeah, who fucking doesn't? Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> it's, like, it's not like you're saying, yeah, he lost to Northwestern, Purdue, and Maryland. You right. Know, like, you, you know, if you want to play with the big boys, you're going to win some of those games. You're going to lose some of yeah. those games. Now, um, you know, the Michigan thing's a thing, right? And it's a formula that, you know, but. You know what what has michigan done other than beat ohio state twice in the last you know two years okay great you know but if that's the whole like if that hoists the national championship then kudos to you you win right like unfortunately the goal is you know yeah beat michigan but we're trying to win a national championship and you know so i the the whole thing whatever it just got completely blown out of proportion i think i i do think you know he had touched a nerve he needed to get off his his chest i'm glad he did it mm -hmm. um but it's really you know a, a story about nothing right it's a story it's that nothing. could it's a story that could resurface uh, if if Ohio State loses again to Michigan. So I, I guess one way to look no, at it, it is will. is, is, is day. There's a very good chance we'll lose to Michigan. Like that's going to be a tough game. 
It's going to be a tough game. Tougher than we are. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I think you're just, you're you're putting uh, more pressure on yourself, Ryan Day, by by being so, by acknowledging it and making an issue of it. But I don't know. At the end of the day, if if we look back at this, this was a rallying cry. It set the tone for the season and it does ultimately lead to a win over Michigan and a Big Ten championship. Great. Only time's going to tell. I thought it was interesting. What what really made it interesting for me is this, when we mentioned it before, is just what a friendly game day experience it was for us, uh, you know, and then to hear that there was yeah. this feud going on between Day and this luminary of Notre Dame football. Um, we I saw, by the way. Yeah, we saw. That's right. We saw the, the tailgate. Like the duck crossing. We couldn't get like through the crowd. And we're like, what is going on? And I think you actually said, like, I wonder if that would be Lou Holtz. And yeah. Sure enough, there he was. He was like in a golf cart. It was like, he was, he was actually, ver- he was horizontal in an oxygen tube. <laughs> Like, this guy is like 97 years old. Like what? Like what are we talking about? Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. Well, I, that's probably all the time we want to spend on that. So look, with a third of the regular season already in the books, again, Ohio State's four zero. They're fourth in the AP poll. We both agree. PVH, the Buckets are not yet a finished product. Uh, there's work to do along the offensive line, but as we mentioned, I think there's there's clarity on who should be running the offense. It's Kyle McCord's team. Uh, we weren't sure as of about a month ago if it was going to be McCord or Brown, but that question was answered emphatically by McCord these last couple of weeks. I also think we have some clarity on what's happening at running back. It's Trey Henderson and Chip Trainum. It's their show. Maybe a sprinkling of Mayan Williams, who I think is hurt. I mean, he he played a huge role in the run game last year. And I mean, I would just, I would, even if Trainum plays well and has outplayed them, uh, I, I would think there would still be a role for Mayan Williams in this offense if he's healthy. So I have a feeling he might be banged up. We might hear from Williams, you know, in October, November. And we know what the Buckeyes are at receiver. We've talked, you know, already ad nauseum about Harrison and Ibuka uh, as probably still the best duo in America at receiver, although Washington may have something to say about that. The Huskies are looking pretty good. Uh, I think we're very comfortable at tight end with Kate Stover, who, you know, I think was underrated against uh, against the Irish. I think G. Scott Jr. is making some waves there. I think they must feel pretty comfortable at tight end. I'd personally like to see one more playmaker emerge at receiver. And I I wonder if Carnell Tate might be that guy eventually. Um, the Buckeyes are 34th nationally in total offense. Now that is down significantly from the standard that the offense has set over the last four or five years, but still pretty good. They're 18th in offensive yards per play. They're 40th in scoring offense. They're 19th in passing offense, only 75th in rushing offense though. And I think you know that number right there points mostly to the need for improvement along the offensive line. But I think overall still a very good offense that is only going to get better in my opinion. PVH, what what is kind of your your big picture, you know, uh, view of the offense now as we move forward to the the last two thirds of the schedule? Hmm. Yeah, I mean we're four and zero, oh, man. You got to take that every day of the week, twice on Sunday. Yeah. I think two two of those games are on the road, right? One was Indiana, whatever. Mm-hmm. At Notre Dame, um, you know, think I. I was as you were kind of going through that, like I'd give him a, I'm going to give him a grade of a offense, a B minus. A right? B minus for the offense. Wow. Okay. All right. Um, you you know you you open on on the road against a Big Ten opponent in Indiana, who's actually pretty good defensively. Uh, I want to say Indiana is. I'm looking at the the, the, the the problem though is is that we're judging it against the last like three or four years of the offense and right uh, so by their own standard they're maybe, not maybe B right I could maybe can be talked into a B um, but we haven't you know looked super convincing except right. for Western Kentucky but it's still early right so just you know it's it's hard to truly say. Um, if they could, if they could work some things out with the run game, I think if they can figure out a way to sort of utilize Trey and Chip in a in a more efficient manner, mm-hmm. then the sky's the limit. Um, and not, I didn't mean to cut you off. Nope, nope, that's but, okay. Uh, you know, Kyle, we got our guy right. Like that dude's a stud. Yep. You know, like. He did something that like CJ couldn't even do, and CJ's kind of pretty good. But you um, remember, remember when we were looking at the schedule during the off season, and you had asked me what what do you what are the chances that coming out of the Notre Dame game, Ohio State has a quarterback controversy that they don't know who their quarterback is going to be? Yeah, I remember that. And uh, you know, thankfully, 
uh, we got answers actually uh, to the affirmative of who that guy's going to be. So as McCord gains experience and comfort within this offense, I think that's going to unlock more of the potential of this offense. All right, PBH. So on defense through four games, I think it's gone about as well as we could have hoped. I mean, except for maybe splash plays, right? I'd like to see more sacks, tackles for loss and turnovers from the Buckeye defense, but you know, not at the expense of giving up explosive plays like they did last year. Ohio State is currently sixth nationally in total defense, fourth in defensive yards per play. They're fifth nationally against the pass. They're 36th against the run, which is a little low by our standards, but still pretty good. And I think, uh, I think this defense passes the eye test too. It's not just it's not just numbers. I mean, you look out on that field, and you know we saw them in person last last Saturday. Look out on that field, and you see a lot more dudes than you yeah. did a year ago. Sonny Styles, mm-hmm. Davis, and Igbenosin are some impressive looking athletes. Uh, there's more talent out there than a year ago. I think there's more versatility, and knock on wood, they're healthier, right? I mean, that's, I think that's why we're seeing you know uh, Denzel Burke playing as well as he as he is. Jordan Hancock playing as well as they are. PBH, give me a few thoughts on the defense through four games. Yeah, I 100% agree. Like vastly improved, right? I mean, how many for years, like we were just screaming at our secondary. Uh, Ransom and Styles, and even your boy Josh, Josh Proctor, man, he got to give it up. Like the dude's out there. He's making plays. Yeah, I mean, he has played well. He, Yeah, I mean, he's a physical specimen, right? Like his problem was he was like a heat seek missile and like just <laughs> tackle and then, you know, guys going for 80 yards. Right. Um, and uh you know outside of the only criticism you could give them is you know we want to see like more sacks or something like that but um you know in the last three years as a high state fans we'd have cut off our you know our our little pinky to have a number six overall total defense absolutely so yeah i mean Absolutely. And I think the coaching's better, right? Like Knowles year two has learned a few things. Mm-hmm. Um, and linebacker play is solid, although they were a little quiet against Notre Dame. Yep. But yeah, solid A. I give them a solid A. Yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah, actually, what was impressive to me about the way the defense performed against Notre Dame was the fact that, you know, uh, Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers, two of our best defensive players, did not play well. And yet, you know, they not play well, or they just didn't have an opportunity to make plays. I don't know, right? I'm, I'm, I'm literally, I, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I think on the rewatch, they were, you know, that they were out of position. I, I also think uh, Notre Dame did a pretty good job of accounting for them in the run game. Um, I, I remember Doug Maurice talking about how he had noticed their offensive lineman getting the second level and doing a good job on Eichenberg and, and Chambers. But also, I think uh, there were a couple of plays where I remember them filling filling the wrong gaps. Look, it, you know, look, they had an off night. It's okay. I, I thought the play, the safeties made up for it. Um, Ransom, come, Ransom coming up, man, that dude hits like a linebacker. So does Proctor. Dude. And so does Sonny Styles. I mean, they're they're like, you know, linebackers in the bodies of, of defensive backs. Um, I think Tyleek Williams has been a revelation so far this year. Um, you know, we saw flashes from Williams a couple of years ago in garbage time, um, you know, against lesser opponents. Uh, it, it took him a couple seasons to kind of put it all together, but I think he's their best interior defensive lineman through four games. And, uh, and then, you know, I mentioned Denzel Burke. Um, he, he is playing at an all American level and, um, and then, you know, the addition of Sonny Styles and Davis and Egbenos into that secondary adds more versatility, athleticism, talent. And and I think JT Tui Moloa was actually having a good season. I know he doesn't have the sexy, splashy stats to go with it, but he was impactful when it mattered against Notre Dame. He's not Joey Bosa. He's not Nick Bosa. He's not Chase Young. He reminds me a little bit more of a Cameron Hayward. A guy that could yeah. probably play, you know, he's a strong side defensive end. He's not the guy that's going to come after the the quarterback, but he's excellent against the run. Uh, so is Jack Sawyer, I think. So I, I'm with I, you. I'm, I was just going to ask you where 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 is Zach? <laughs> yeah. Three on on Sawyer. I, yeah, I mean, you know, both of these guys. I think. Look, we're four games into their junior season. It's obvious that they're not going to be putting up the big sack numbers, um, but they're still very effective uh, defensive ends. And, uh, you know, look, they're what we've got. Now, I would like to see, uh, you know, more snaps for Caden Curry. 
um, and um, you know, and Jackson. Um, I, I think they're very capable backups uh, at defensive end, and there's more than one good reason for them to play. Right? You, you have to give Sawyer and Tuimoloau a rest. Uh, you have to think you got to play the long game with those guys. But also, I think, especially a guy like Curry, I just love his motor, and yeah. I think he might be the between the four might be their best. Um, pa- pure pass rusher so um yeah he's like long and lanky but just strong he looks like a bosa actually yeah and kenyatta jackson i think you know play to your depth i think um uh, you know i i do appreciate that we're seeing more snaps for our top end guys but um you, you do have to be smart about especially that position you know playing to your depth there um all right, PVH. So I think we're both pretty bullish on the defense. I think we're looking at a defense that's probably going to have multiple All-Americans, uh, a good number of All-Conference players. And, um, you know, so far, the the stats are, are matching what our eyes are telling us. So love what I'm seeing out of the Ohio State defense. I'm with you. I give them a solid A. I didn't really give a grade for the offense. I'm going to give the I'm going to give the offense a B. Uh, a good solid B, uh, with with the opportunity and the upside to 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 grade much higher than that when it's all said and done. Well, all right. Do you have anything else you want to add about the defense before we have a look at some other action around the country? Great. Okay. Well, as I mentioned, as we all know, Ohio State is off this week, but there are a few games that might pique the interest of Buckeye fans, starting with number 11, Notre Dame, traveling to number 17 and undefeated Duke. Our our new buddy, Paul, was worried about this game. Remember, we were talking to Paul on uh, on Saturday night. Now, this game is a 7.30 p.m. Eastern kick on ABC. This is the ESPN game day game. So game day is going to be there. The line is only Notre Dame minus five and a half. The over-under is 52. PVH, the Duke defense is no joke. 16th nationally in total defense, fifth in defensive yards per play. Uh, it's at night. I mean, this is a bitch of the game for the Irish yeah, to have to play the, the the week after playing us. Who do you like in this game, PBH? It's the quintessential letdown game. Oh, yeah. You know it. I know it. Everybody that's a casual college fan knows it. Freeman knows it. And a lot of times there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Um, however, I'm going to roll with Notre Dame on this one. I, I think they're you know, and, and not just for the, the self-serving reason, you know, <laughs> we all want them not to blow this game. Right. Um, uh, I, I think they get it done. I think, yeah, for sure. It's, it might be, it might be close for a while. Um, you know, and you can't, you can't, you, you know, j- just the, the emotional side of losing the game like that, the high state, takes its toll but you also can't underestimate the physical toll mm. game like that oh Not yeah either one of us would have any clue what that's like but it's got to be a thing um but i'm, I'm gonna roll with notre dame on this i hope they pull it out are, are they gonna cover that five and a half do you think yeah okay you like notre dame to cover i'm with you i don't think they cover but i think they pull it out and i think the that's difference a, is that's a hell of a game then it's like a fourth quarter oh, i think it's gonna be a four quarter game i think the difference though because we remember last year Notre Dame laid an egg the week after the Ohio State game. They lost to Marshall at home. But I think the difference here is Sam Hartman. I, I think he's a good enough quarterback to, uh, to to prevent that from happening. So I like the Irish, but not to cover. I think it's going to be – I think it's going to be a hell of a football game. Well, and Hartman – and, you know, the other thing about Freeman, man, like give the guy a break, right? It's his second year as being a head coach. So yeah. Maybe he's learning a few things along the way. Right? Oh, yep. Which is something I think that we don't give day – you know, I mean, yeah, he was born on third base, become your first head coaching job, you know, the head coach of Ohio State. But um, there is something to be said for, you know, learning how to coach in these situations. And so, you know, hopefully Marcus and I'm rooting for the guy, right? Because what a quality dude that dude is. And so hopefully, you know, he won't let the Marshall thing happen uh, this year like it happened last year. Yeah, I hope not. We're big Irish fans. I think moving forward, right? We're 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 going to be rooting for the Irish. I think moving forward. How about number two Michigan at Nebraska? Now, PBH, this game is a three thirty p.m. Eastern kick on Fox. The line is Michigan minus seventeen. The over under is only thirty nine. Nebraska comes into 39. this game <laughs> thirty nine points. That's the over under. This is going to be a nineteen nineties uh, football game. It certainly projects to be. Here's an interesting stat. Nebraska comes into this game second nationally in rush defense, allowing only 46 yards per game. And Michigan 
not as effective running the ball so far this season as last. It's been kind of a slow start for the Michigan ground game this season. Um, the Wolverines all the way down at 50th nationally in rushing offense. Last season, they finished fifth nationally, averaging 239 yards per game and 5.58 yards per carry. And that was third nationally. This season, Michigan is averaging just under 168 yards per game. That's 71 fewer than last year. That's a lot. 71 fewer than last year. And their per, car per carry average so far this season has also dipped under five yards, only 4.97 yards per carry. Now, Blake Corum is still playing well. He's averaging 6.1 yards per carry, which is slightly up from his average last year. He also has eight rushing touchdowns. But Donovan Edwards is really struggling so far this year, only 3.3 yards per carry. His longest run of the season so far is only 14 yards, per, uh, 14 yards and he has yet to score a touchdown. I don't know, uh, it's in Lincoln. Um, mm -hmm. who do you like in this game, PBH? Or 3.30, so it'll be under the lights. I, so I'm going to roll with the trend until they change it, but Nebraska will lose this game by some stupid way, <laughs> like four points, right? Because they've done that 17 times in the last, what, five years. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to take Nebraska in the points, but yeah, maybe, maybe, I mean, you know, like on the on the flip side of that coin, like at some point Nebraska has to bust through, right? Like, you would think. It's been so close. Well, the last time these two teams played in Lincoln in 2021, uh, Michigan got out by the skin of their teeth, 32-29. And if I remember, if I remember correctly, uh, the difference in the game was a, a, a terrible turnover by Martinez that allowed Michigan to either score the go-ahead touchdown or kick the go-ahead field. I, I, yeah, my memory's a little, a little twice, right? Yeah. My memory's a little <laughs> fuzzy on that one, but it was a close, a very close game. The last time these two teams played um, in Lincoln, uh, I, I'm with you. I, I like Michigan uh, hard to bet against them, uh, but I think it's close and I don't think they cover. I don't think they cover that. What is it? 17, 17 points. All right. Finally, Pretty fun matchup in your neck of the woods, PBH. Mm. And this is actually in the early window, the very early window, number eight USC at Colorado. Uh, this line is 21 and a half. This is going to be a 10 a.m. kick, I think, your time. Um, the over-under is 73 and a half. Now, as we know, the Buffs got thumped by Oregon last week. The <clears throat> Pardon me. The USC defense stinks. 72nd nationally in total defense, but there is one thing they do well, and that's they get after the quarterback. USC is third nationally in quarterback sacks, averaging four a game. Colorado, listen to this. There are 132 out of 133 teams in the FBS in allowing sacks. <laughs> They're allowing 5.75 yeah, sacks. How's that possible being like a power? <laughs> They're allowing 5.75 sacks per game. Almost six sacks a game. Uh, Shudra Sanders has been sacked 22 times already this year. That's 22 times in four games. For context, Kyle McCord has only been sacked twice in four games. Yikes. PBH, who do you like in this game? Um, yeah, so I was rolling with Prime the first two games, and it was it paid well last week. Or, <laughs> or the first three games did not work out. Um, dude, I think USC kills him. And, you know, Colorado's playing with house money, you know, yeah. from this point on, right? They, they they could lose the rest of their games. Like, this was a way more successful season than they've had in the last 20 years. And that's not hyperbole. I'm not bullshitting mm -hmm. you. So um, this isn't the game when they get back on track. It's not happening. Um, mm, interesting. USC is going to kick the living shit out of them. Wow. Okay. All right. I'm not sure I'm as big a believer in USC as you are. I mean, we were watching them play against Arizona State last Saturday night, and they really struggled. They tackled, and they can't tackle for shit. Um, I think Colorado gives them a little bit more of a game than this, um, but I do like USC, and I think it's because of Caleb Williams. Um, but I don't think they cover that 21 and a half. Uh, I think it's closer than that. Yeah, right. I'm not saying it's going to be close, but I, I don't think they cover the 21 and a half. Um, that USC defense is still pretty stinky. And Colorado's got good skill players. Um, I know, but the guy, the, Hunter's still not playing. Hunter's not playing, okay. They just got their ass kicked. Yeah, um, well, you could be it's right. So, it's so funny that they're getting all these Fox 10 a.m. starts, um, you know, which is the curse of 
being entertaining, I guess. Right. right? You have to play football at 10 in the morning. It's so freaking stupid. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. So, Did you want to take yeah. a minute or two to go off on, on the... Uh, uh, well, I mean, it hasn't been announced yet, but all I'm saying is we were talking about it before the pod. Like, now the rumor is that a high state Penn State is going to be the big noon kickoff. And it's like, if that's the case, I'm, I might quit being a football Like, you have to stop. And I don't care that 8 million people are going to watch it. You can put tennis on, like play the old, you know, <laughs> McEnroe fucking tennis matches at 10 a.m. There's no reason that you put these great primetime matchups at 10 a.m. It's it's absurd. Yeah. For, the, for those of us on the West Coast, I guess. Yeah, we think like uh, Fox could stick it into the 3.30 window. Um, yeah. They love their big noon kick. They, they do. And the one thing I will say is uh, I don't think Ohio State plays well in night games. I just, I, I they just don't. I can't remember the last time they played well in a night game that mattered against a matchup opponent. They, they, they often lose these fucking games. So I'm an early riser and uh, usually I'm kind of in, you know, in front of the television ready to go with everything accomplished that I need to accomplish uh, for these early kicks. But I know PVH, you're on a different schedule than me, as most people are on a Saturday. I'm kind of a, a weird breed when it comes to that on a Saturday. No, it's, just, it's just a matter of the fact it's, you know, like just, oh God, it's not that hard. <laughs> I mean, people are going to watch it anyways. Just because you draw 8 million people for a good college football game, isn't indicative of the time slot that it's in. It's right. just that it's a good college football game and people care and they're going to watch it. You could put it on at two in the morning. They're still going to watch it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and so why are you arbitrarily making it, you know, like I, I just, the logic and maybe we could get a Fox executive to come on the podcast and explain it to me in a way that makes sense. But at this point, the logic has lost on me to take your best, marquee matchup and put it on when you know and you know half of the country is still kind of waking up it it's just it doesn't make sense mm, yeah yeah no i mean maybe they're think the th the thinking there is that you know espn their prime their their prime competitor is putting all their best games in that 330 or primetime window, so you own the noon window. I don't know what it is. Anyway, we've already probably yeah, spent- maybe, That might be it. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's that what it is. Executive on and have them explain it. <laughs> I'll see if I can, uh, I'll, yeah, if, if I can wrangle somebody from Fox. All right, PVH, hey, listen, man, it, that was, a, that was a, a great effort for a Thursday evening. Thanks so much for making the time. Unless you've got anything else you wanna say. No, I mean, you know, we missed you, Chad. I guess you're at some realtor conference. <laughs> you, you know, got a lot of big deals tonight. Yeah. I mean, I don't know whatever. I can't imagine what's more important than recapping a high state Notre Dame. Especially Notre Dame. Get, you, buddy. Yeah, we missed you too, CP. Yeah, th this would have been a perfect... I mean, I thought CP would be, you know, like the first one on so he could take his victory lap uh, knowing how he feels about Notre Dame. Well, I guess we'll have to get his thoughts on the game next uh, next week. Money talks. That's the way it goes. <laughs> yeah. All right, buddy. Thanks so much for making the time. For our listeners, uh, you probably won't hear from us again until next week at this time. So until then, thanks so much for listening and go Bucks. You've been listening to the South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and visit our website at southstandsosu.com.